The following message is brought to you by New Song Church and Pastor Joshua Blunt in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. For more information on New Song, visit us online at newsongpeople.com. Glad you're here this morning. Everybody doing okay? You guys awake? Good. Well, uh, I'm so glad to be with you. And I want to just real quick, I want to recognize a group of people, that, people that's here this morning, and that is uh, North Star Church right over here. If you guys are here, kind of wave your hands. These guys are planting. Yeah, let me, let me tell you about them. These guys are planting a church on September 17th in Tulsa, Oklahoma, South Tulsa, Bixby area. And they're here today to kind of visit and hang out with us and see what we're doing. They've heard about us and, and uh, we love these guys. In fact, uh, Pastor Rod Baker's here and I've known Rod Baker since I was a little kid. His, his sons were friends of mine in high school and so we're excited for them. And real quick, I just want to pray for them. Would you guys agree with me? Let's pray for them and what they're going to be doing. In fact, all you guys from North Star, would you stand up real quick? And then the rest of us, new song, let's reach our hands towards these guys and let's just bless them. What they're doing, we believe in, right? So let's pray for these people. Lord, we thank you for North Star Church. We thank you for the kingdom of God expanding and growing. We love that. We want to be a part of that. And so I thank you that they have everything that they need for the assignment ahead of them, that they have the wisdom that they need. They have the finances that they need. Lord, I pray you bless them. You overwhelm them with your favor. I pray that the presence of God would be active and alive in the work that they're doing. Give them the mind of Christ. I pray that you would draw people to the to them, to their church, to the calling that you have on their life, Lord. We're grateful for what you're doing in their life. We give you praise, glory, and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Let's give them a hand. Hey, also, uh, I want to tell you before I jump into today's message about a really cool event we have coming up. It's called the Party in the Park. And we're doing this on September 9th. It's going to be at Lions Children's Park. And we're, we're doing this event for a couple of reasons. Number, the first one is this. On September 10th, that Sunday, New Song is two years old. Isn't that awesome? Two years old. It's amazing what God has done in this church in just two years. Uh, but part of this party in the park is us coming together to kind of celebrate that and just have a big old time uh, together as a church family. But the, the, the other part of it, and this is really the bigger part of it, is we want to reach out to the community. We want to reach out to the city. We want to let people know what's going on here. How many of you think this is really cool what God's doing in this church? Man, I do too. But this isn't just for us. This is for this city. This is for a lot of people. There's a lot of hurting uh, people that, that don't know God, that need to know God. And so part of what we're wanting to do with this event is, is have this event that's a lot of fun. We're going to have you know, shaved ice, and we're going to have bounce houses, and free hot dogs, and, and giveaways, including two people are going to go home with free Chick-fil-A for a year. It's pretty dope, right? So we're, but we're doing all that, and here's the idea. We want to leverage that to help people come to be a part of our church, that people can see the love of God. They see a people who are coming together, who love each other, that are a church family, and so that they would then come to the church so that they can come to know God and walk in the relationship that he's called them to walk in. So here's what you can do to help us with this. Uh, we need you to invite people. So we have, a, we have these cards out in the lobby. I want to encourage you, grab stacks of these as you leave today. Take these with you. Give these away. Tell people in your, in, at, your, at your job about this. This is just at a, a party at the park where they can get free stuff. Just invite them to come and be a part of it. We believe if people come and they see what God's doing, that they will taste and see through God's people that God is good. And it will soften their heart to come to church and experience what God has. So grab these, hand these out. Also, use your social media platform. Your platform is a way to reach this city. So get online, get on Facebook, get on Instagram, and, and tell people about this event and invite them to come with you. Tag your friends, get people there. Can you guys do that? 
All right, let's do that, all right? Okay, so today uh, we are finishing up our series, You Asked For It. This series has been about answering the questions that you, the church, asked. We've spent the last six weeks answering questions. We had you guys fill out these cards, uh, giving us the, the topics that you wanted us to talk about. And today, I am going to answer the most asked question. Now, thematically, the most asked question was, how do I deal with difficult people? <laughs> A lot of people dealing with difficult people, right? So we answered that the first week of the series. But today, we're going to answer specifically the most asked question, um, which is interesting because I cannot think of a question that could be more divisive in the day and age that we live in than the question that you guys asked. Uh, but it is a very important topic that we need to understand, that we need to have an answer for as a church, and that we need to, to help people to understand, and that is this, homosexuality. What do we do with, with homosexuality? What do we do with people who are homosexuals in our life? Now, if you're new to this church, maybe right now you're thinking, oh boy, Martha, let's head, let's head out the door, let's get out of here. Well, we've locked the doors, so that's not going to happen. Um, I'm just kidding, doors aren't locked. But, but I, here's, what I, here's what I want to invite you to do today. I want to invite you to, to stick with me this morning because I believe this is a big issue. Uh, how many would you agree with that? This is very much real issue in the world we're living in today. And as a church, we need to have an answer. And, and I also want to, I want to say this this morning too. If you're someone that's here today and you are dealing with same-sex attraction... Or maybe you, are, you would identify yourself as being gay or being lesbian or being bisexual. I want you to know three things right off the bat, okay? Number one is this. You matter to God. I want you to know that. You matter to God. God has a plan for your life. He loves you. He sent his son, Jesus, to die on the cross because you matter to God. He wants to have a relationship with you. You matter to God. Number two, you matter to this church. I want you to know that. I, can't, I cannot speak for every church. But I can speak for this church. And at this church, you matter. Uh, many of you know our vision at New Song Church is real simple. Help people know God. That's what we want to do. We want to help people come to know, walk in a real relationship with Jesus Christ. That's our, that's our goal. And, and nowhere in our vision statement does it say we want to help straight people know God. Or we want to help heterosexual people know God. We want to help people come to know the living, loving Jesus that made a way for them. And, and then number three, here's the third thing, is that you matter to me. Me personally, you matter to me. In fact, I, I can honestly say I have spent more time on this message uh, than any message I've ever preached at New Song Church. I, I, I found out very early that I would be talking about this because of the questions that came in. It was overwhelming that this was a topic that you wanted to talk about. And uh, and from the beginning, I began to study, I began to research, I began to talk to other pastors, other leaders. I, I, I pr I've prayed over this message, uh, and I want you to know that, that you matter to me. And, and here's the thing, I, here's what my goal is for today. My goal is if you are here today and you are a person who is living in the homosexual community or dealing with some kind of homosexual tendencies, I want you to know and see the heart of God for you today and the love of God for you today. And if you are a part of the church and a Christian, I want you to leave today knowing how to communicate the love and the heart of God to people from this community. So if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Matthew chapter 19. Matthew chapter 19. And what we're going to look at is something that we looked at last week. If you were here last week, we talked about sex. Uh, how many of you were here last week? A lot of you. It was good. How many of you are rejoicing, men, that we preached that message? You had a good way. Okay, you don't have to raise your hand, but... 
Uh, we were, I'm guessing that we were more fruitful than this week than normally. Uh, but we had a lot of fun talking about sex and talking about God's vision for sex and why God designed sex and how it brings us together in unity. And we actually looked at this verse. I want to look at this verse again because in this verse, Jesus talks about what relationships are supposed to look like. He talked about what marriage is supposed to look like. Okay, so Matthew chapter 19, starting verse 4. Jesus says this. He says, have you not read? Okay, now stop right there. Uh, Jesus right here is going to point us back to the Garden of Eden and to the original creation and how he designed things. And you'll understand more about that in just a moment. He says, have you not read that he, talking about God, who made them, talking about people, at the beginning, so he's talking about the Garden of Eden, made them male and female. And said, for this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife, and the two shall become one flesh. So then they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no man separate. All right, so in this verse, we see what God defines and what God endorses as the biblical model, the Jesus model of marriage. Jesus, in this verse, and let me just remind you, this is the Jesus who died on the cross for our sins, who suffered for us. No one else has done that for me. No one else has risen from the dead for me. So, so until somebody else does, he's the one I'm going to listen to. And this is what he said. This is the marriage that he endorsed. And what is it? It's between a man and a woman, a male and a female within the marriage bed, within the covenant of marriage. That's what Jesus endorsed. So as a Christian, as a Christ follower, someone who is living my life based on what Jesus preaches, this is the marriage that I endorse. This is the marriage that I believe in. Now, maybe you're sitting here right now and you're going, wait a minute, Josh, I don't don't get this. Help, Help me to understand this because if people love each other, what's the difference? Why does it matter? If it's a husband and wife or male and female, if they just love each other, isn't that enough? Well, no, it's not, and, and let me explain why, okay? I have a box here. I want you to look at this box, okay? And I want you to imagine something with me. Imagine that inside this box, this is kind of like my yard. This is my backyard, okay? And inside that box is, is safety and protection and peace, and it's the environment that, that I want my children to experience. Outside of that box is, is danger and fear and, and uh, all sorts of bad things, including, including death, now, I have three kids, uh, Gus, Bo, and Sonny, and my little kids are little. I want you to imagine that, that I put them in my backyard, I put them within this boundary, and I say, guys, I want you to stay in this boundary. Now, let me ask you a question. This is audience participation, so I want you to answer back loudly. Am I being mean if I tell them to stay within that boundary? No. I ask you again, am I being mean? No. No, Why? Because I am a father and I love my children and I want what's best for them, I create boundaries to protect them from things that will surely hurt them. Now, God is a father, is he not? The Bible just talks about that. Jesus said when we pray, we pray, Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. It was God's will for us to call him father, for us to see him as father, for us to relate to him as a father. And any good father is going to create boundaries for his children to protect them from things that will hurt them. So what does Jesus do at the beginning of this verse? He says, have you not read? Remember we read that just a second ago, Matthew 19? Have you not read? Or have you not, uh, yeah, have you not read? What's he doing? He's pointing them back to the Garden of Eden. Now what happened in the Garden of Eden? In the Garden of Eden, God creates this perfect place. 
And he sets Adam and Eve in this garden. And it's a perfect place, but he sets boundaries, doesn't he? And what's the boundary? There's a tree over here. It's called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And if you eat of that tree, the Bible says you'll surely die. Spiritually, people would die. He created a boundary. Now, in the world we live in today, we want to say sometimes, well, we don't need to create boundaries. That's kind of being mean. But here's the thing. A good father doesn't just let people learn from experience. Why? Because experience is a cruel teacher. And as a Christian, God never called you to walk by experience. Experience is a liar. God has called you to walk by faith. And faith is trust. Faith is believing God's word and doing what it says. So in the garden, God creates this boundary and he points us back to that. He says, listen, this is marriage. This is what it's supposed to look like. And anything outside of this is out of bounds. And if it's out of bounds, and listen, that's not just homosexuality. That's any sexual sin outside of a husband and a wife. That's two people just shacking up together. (laughs) That's two people just casually having sex together outside of marriage. That's, that's somebody looking at pornography. That's out of bounds. That's somebody having an affair on their spouse. That's out of bounds. Any sexual sin outside of a husband and a wife is out of bounds. And listen, it hurts people. It does damage. It brings pain. It brings hurt. And as I've spent time studying the homosexual community, one of the things that has become very clear to me is that it's a community of people who are hurting They have a lot of hurt in their life, a lot of pain, a lot of suffering, a lot of abuse has taken place with these people. So what are we called to do as a church? Remember the old bracelets, WWJD? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? What would Jesus do with these people that are in this lifestyle? Would Jesus be outside, you know, holding signs that say, homosexual uh, death is, is God's judgment for homosexual sin? Would he be holding up signs that says God hates gays? No, he wouldn't. I believe the Jesus that I see in Scripture would be reaching out to this community to love them, to embrace them, and to help them to know that even though they may not be doing things God's way, that he has a plan for them and that they can come to know him in a great way. So what I want to do today in this message is I really want to look at this from this perspective. How can we as a people, because I know there's people in here, because I read the questions, that have people that are living the homosexual lifestyle in your life. So how do we relate to them as Christians? How do we minister to them? How do we try to help them? And maybe you're here today and you're dealing with this. I want you to see what God has to say. So so let's do it from this perspective. How do we minister to a person who is in the homosexual lifestyle? Okay, three things that you need to understand. Number one is is this. It starts with this. It starts with we got to express to them that God loves you. We start with love. We're to bring love to them first and foremost. And God loves people in spite of they may be doing something that he's not in agreement with. Now, I'm going to read you John 3.16. It's the most famous scripture in the Bible. And as I read this, I want you to tell me if this is how it reads, okay? It says this, For God so loved the world, so loved, notice that, so loved the world, except for the homosexual, that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him, except for the homosexual, should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, except for the homosexual, but that the world through him might be saved, except for the homosexual. Is that what it says? No, it doesn't. And yet sometimes I think we as Christians read it that way. We tend to kind of read it from this perspective, but it doesn't say it. It says, for God so loved I remember my dad explained to me one day that he loved how it says so loved, right? So loved. I so love the Dallas Cowboys. 
I so love chocolate cake. God so loves people, everyone, in a greater way than I love the Dallas Cowboys and chocolate cake. Understand that. He so loves people that whosoever believes, he sent his son, that whosoever, that's everybody, whoever believes should not perish but have everlasting life. And we have to understand as a church and as a people who are supposed to be called to be Christ-like, in order to reach people, it always starts from a place of love. We never start to reach a heart from a place of judgment. That ain't going to work. You're going to be a clanging symbol in the life of people. It starts with love. And the heart of God for these people, the heart that we're supposed to bring to them and express, is a heart of love. Now, what they need to see is God loves them, the church loves them, and that we love them, right? But we don't just leave it there. We have to take them to the next place. And that is where we say, because I love you, because I care about you, you need to understand this. Here's point number two. Homosexuality is sin. The Bible is, is very, very clear on this. Homosexuality is sin. Now, in the culture that we live in today, that is not a very popular thing to say, right? And, and here's why. Because in the culture we live in today, people tend to look at a person's behavior and say, well, if you reject my behavior, you're rejecting me. But that's not how God is. In fact, Christians will even say, we're supposed to be like Jesus, and Jesus was a friend to sinners. And yes, Jesus was a friend to sinners. He dealt with a lot of sinners. But what I see in Scripture is Jesus would deal with sinners, and he wouldn't reject them, but sometimes he would confront and reject the behavior that they were participating in. There's a couple of occasions where Jesus is dealing with some people that are, that are in sexual sin. There's a, there's a woman that is caught in adultery that he talks to. There's a woman that he meets at a well that is practicing immorality. And in both occasions, he doesn't reject the person, but he rejects and condemns the sinful behavior that they're operating in. And listen, as a church, you need to understand something. We don't accept everything going on in the world today, and that's okay. We don't reject people because Jesus doesn't reject people, but we have to rise up and sometimes declare and identify what's going on in the world and say it for what it is, sin that is hurting people. Amen? Uh, Christine Kane has a quote I read this week. I thought this was so good. It says this. It says, if I had a bottle of poison and I ripped off the label, replacing it with a label that said chocolate syrup, you would think that I was crazy. And you would be correct because the milder you make the label, the more potent you make the poison. Let, let's not put a wrong label on sin because if we call it what it is, then we can be washed clean and set free. Here, here's what she's saying. If we, if we try to just kind of blow over this and say, oh, it's no big deal, it's not, it's not a problem, we're, we're calling something that's poison, that's hurting people, something that it's not. By not speaking the truth, we're, we're really not helping anyone. So we have to understand this. This is a sin. And, and I know you think, well, that's, they're going to reject that. They're going to get angry at that. Well, stick with me here a little bit longer, okay? All right, in the New Testament, in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6, Paul addresses this. Let me remind you that Paul wrote his letters inspired by the Holy Spirit. So when Paul writes this, it's actually God, the Holy Spirit, writing this. And he addresses some sins that are taking place that are causing unrighteousness to be, to be apparent in people's lives. Uh, 1 Corinthians 6 verse 9 says this, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? People who are not right with God will not inherit the kingdom of God. So who are the unrighteous? Look at this. Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor adulterers, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor the drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Okay? So in that scripture, in the New Testament, 
We're told that homosexuality is a sin. But let me just, I don't know if you noticed this, but it's not the only sin listed there. You may notice that? There was a lot of sins listed there. And, and yet, I think sometimes we look at this and we think, well, that's, that's the worst one. That's the really bad one. And I think sometimes we think of homosexuality as being different. Now, that's a good question. Is homosexuality different? And I think it is. And now, hear me out. I, I, I think it is, but not for maybe the reasons you may think it is. Here, let me give you two reasons why I think the sin of homosexuality is different in the world that we live in today. Number one is this. Christians tend to judge it harder. We as Christians tend to judge homosexuality different than we do other sins. This is on us. And, and here's why. Because we can't relate to it. We can't relate to maybe same-sex attraction. Maybe you've noticed this. I know I have. In my life, I tend to relate to people who are dealing with sin. If they are dealing with the same kind of sins as me, I relate to them much easier, right? If I'm talking to somebody and I find out, man, they're, they're struggling with a sin that I've struggled with or with some character things that I've struggled with, I tend to be like, oh, man, come here, bro. Let's talk about this. Let me help you out. Let's... But I hear about something I can't relate to, and it's more like, man, why would anybody do that? You know what I'm saying? That's how we see it sometimes. How could, because we can't relate to it, we think, how could anybody be that way? And those people that are that way must be the worst people in the world. This is what we do. Can I be real with you this morning? This is what we do. But, but according to scripture, that's, that's not what I see. I don't know if you noticed there, but the homosexuality in that verse, it wasn't underlined. There's not like a margin in your Bible or on your app that if you click it, it says, oh, and by the way, this is the worst one. It doesn't say that. It, it lists it among uh, these, all these other scriptures. And what are some of the other, uh, sorry, among all these other sins? And what are some of the other sins? Well, what's the first one? Fornicators. You know what that word is? That word, if you break down that word, it's the word pornos. Have you ever heard of pornos before? That's a very real thing going on in the world today. It goes on to say, nor adulterers. Those are people who worship false gods. Now, sometimes we look at that and we go, well, not, you know, I don't have an idol in my house that I'm worshiping or whatever. Well, you know, it kind of depends on what you think about that because in a few weeks, the NFL season's going to start. There's going to be some people that start bowing down to the altar of the NFL crest in just a few weeks. So, you know, what, what is that for you? Okay, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves. You know what thieves is? It's people that are greedy. Nor covetousness. That's people that always want more of everything. Nor drunkards, nor vilers. That's, that's abusers. That's people that, that gossip say things about other people behind their back. Nor extortioners, that's people that cheat in business, that cheat in life, that cheat in board games. Not cool. <laughs> it says these are the people that will not inherit the kingdom of God. Now, let me ask you something. Is it possible that there may be some of us in this room today that are struggling and working through some of these sins, and yet sometimes we look at the people that are struggling and working through that one sin and we say, but they're the really bad ones. Is that possible? I think it is. We've got to change our heart on this issue. We can't judge this sin harder than the others. Here's the second reason why I think it's different. Because it's celebrated in the world in a, in a very powerful way. You know, a lot of these other sins are still kind of looked down upon. But today in the culture that we live in, homosexuality is kind of looked at as a new hallmark for progress. It's something that's kind of championed in the world that we live in today. And, and I think one of the reasons the church has come across sometimes as being hateful when it comes to this issue is because we understand something that the world doesn't always understand, and that is that the wages of sin is death. 
that sin hurts, that sin causes, causes damage, that when we get outside of the boundary of God, that there's, there's things that happen that hurt us. And so we look at the sin that's being celebrated and we go, no, 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 that can't happen. And, and then sometimes these, these certain groups rise up to try to rise against this. And the message that they come with is this message of hate. Listen, there is no room for hate in the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's no room for it. It makes no sense that we serve a God who is love. By, very, by definition, that's what he is. It's not what he does. It's who he is. We serve a God who is love and that we bring a message of hate to a group of people struggling with a sin. That makes no sense. We can't do that. If we're going to minister to these people, we have to minister to them with love. Because listen, these people are hurting. They're hurting. In fact, I was reading some statistics this week. And it just kind of blew me away what's going on in the lives of people in this culture and homosexual community. Let me, let me read you just a few of these. Less than 2% of homosexuals survive to the age of 65. 65. Anybody over 65 in here this morning? If that's you, raise your hand. Dad, do you think you're old? No. No. I don't think 65 is that old. I'm 37 now. I'm starting to, you know, starting to, that is changing for me as I get older. But it says 2%. Only 2% get to that age. Look at this. The average age of death for a homosexual man is 42. That's five years away from where I'm at right now. The average age of death for a married heterosexual man is 75. That's a 33-year difference. The average age of death for a lesbian woman is 45. The average age of death for a married heterosexual woman is 79. That's a 34-year difference. People who live the homosexual lifestyle are 116 times more likely to be murdered than heterosexuals. A person who lives a homosexual life is 25 times more likely to commit suicide than a heterosexual. 78%, almost 4 out of 5, homosexuals have sexually transmitted diseases. I say all that to let you see these are people that are hurting. There's a lot of damage going on in this community why? Because the wages of sin is death. Sin hurts people. That's what the Bible tells us. And you say, well, I, I don't, I'm sorry, but I, that's great, but I don't really believe what the Bible says. I just love Jesus. Well, the problem is, if you love Jesus, he spoke to the Bible being the Word of God. In fact, the Bible says that Jesus is the Word made flesh. Yeah. The Bible says this about itself in, in John 17, 17. It says, your word is truth. Everybody say truth. Your word is truth. 2 Timothy 3, 16, 17 says, All scripture is given by the inspiration of God. In other words, God's the one who inspired it and put it together. Uh, 2 Peter 1, verses 20 and 21. No part of the holy writings, talking about the Bible, was ever made by any man. No part of the holy writings came along because of what man wanted to write. But the holy men who belonged to God spoke what the Holy Spirit told them. Here's what that's saying. It's saying that what you read when you read the Bible is, is what God wrote down. He inspired men to pin down what he wanted to say. That's what the Bible tells us. So it's God's word on this topic. So really simply put, here, here's what this is saying. What the word of God says is true. So if the word of God anywhere says that homosexuality is sin, then that has to be looked at as true. And it has to be viewed from the standpoint that that's what God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit say because they're always in agreement. See what I'm saying? So this is what we believe. This is what we have to believe. And if we don't, let me just ask you this. If you say, I don't believe the word of God, well, then what is your standard for authority? What's your standard for truth? Is it what you feel? Is it what other people tell you? Is it what other hurting people may be trying to communicate to you? Because here's the problem with that. 
If we just go by what, feel, what we feel, who's to say that what I feel may be different than what you feel? Because what some people feel, listen, this is a reality in the world we live in. What some people feel is that it's okay to have sex with kids. There are people that feel that way. There are people that feel like it's okay to have sex with animals. They got a crush on Fido over here, and they're like, you know, we got a real thing going on. Is that okay? But, but if, if not the word, then what's to say? This is why this is important. We have to live our life under the authority of what the word of God has to say. We submit our heart. Listen, Jesus is not just your savior. He's your Lord. And if he's your Lord, he's your boss. If he's your boss, then you come under what he says. That's what we do. So we start with love. It starts with love. We speak the truth in love. It starts with love. We've got to express love to these people. But then we do. We have to speak the truth. We have to let them know this is sin. And then here's number three. We have to let them know that you have a choice. You have a choice. Now, this may be the area that people start to jump off on you for sure. you telling me I have a choice in this matter? This isn't a choice. This is how I was made. This is, I was born this way. This isn't a choice for me. This is just how I was born. You think I would choose to live a lifestyle that, that has this much pain and suffering in it? This is just how I was born. Well, is that true? Let me, let me ask you this. Is it possible that there may be people in this world that are born with a nature that leans them towards a particular sin? Absolutely it is. The Bible teaches that all of us are born with a sinful nature. In fact, uh, Psalms 51 verse 5 says this. This is David talking. He says, behold, I was shapen in iniquity. He's saying I was created in iniquity. In iniquity is sin. I was, uh, and, and in sin did my mother conceive me. David is saying, I was born into this world. Listen, we're all born into this world with a sinful nature. I don't know about you, but nobody had to teach me how to sin. I just, I'm, I was just good at it real early. My kids, man, they can sin. They're, they're darn good at it. And I promise you, me and, Ma, me and Sarah are not going, hey, guys, here's how you sin. They just, it comes very naturally to us, right? Because it's the world we live in. We live in a fallen world where sin is still alive and active in this world. And so we tend to, we're fighting against that. In fact, Ephesians 2 verse 3 says this, all of us used to live that way, following the passionate desires and inclinations of our sinful nature. Look at this, by our very nature, we were subject to God's anger, just like everyone else. In other words, my nature outside of Christ is to sin. We all have a sin nature. So yes, we're all born with sin in our life. But to say this, here, here's the thing, to say that homosexuality is, is the sin and it's, it's who I am, to identify my sin as being who I am, and then to say that can't change, well, why is that any different than saying, well, I'm a liar, that's how I was born, and I can't change. I'm an abuser, that's how I was born, sorry world, deal with it, that's how I was born, that's the nature I was born with, so... I cannot change. I'm a gambler. I cannot change. What the Word of God says is that you can change. And by the way, wouldn't God be mean if he tells us all through Scripture that sin is something we shouldn't be doing and then created us in a way where we couldn't overcome it? Wouldn't that just be mean? That's not God. The Bible talks about the sins of our life, and it actually talks about something called a stronghold. And that how strongholds can get into our life and they can cause us to, they can, they can kind of set up camp in our, in our minds, in our lives in such a way to keep us from experiencing the life God wants us to have. It says this in, in uh, 2 Corinthians 10. 
It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, meaning they're not of this world, but they're mighty in God. Mighty in God. These weapons are powerful in God for the pulling down of strongholds. Remember that word strongholds. Casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought. Everybody say every thought. Every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Notice it says every thought. It's not just every homosexual thought. That's not just, that's, that's every thought. Every lustful thought. Every angry thought, every fearful thought, every thought can be brought under the will of God, can be made subject to the will of God. Okay, so here's the thing. You've got to understand this. There's an enemy in this world. His name is Satan or the devil, and he hates you, and he really is real. He's not pretend. He hates you. He wants to steal, kill, and destroy your life. That's what the Bible says. And so here's one of the things he does. He, he comes into our life, and he gets inside of our heads, and he begins to fill our minds with lies and create these strongholds. And these strongholds are designed to do something. Let me tell you what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a mindset full of hopelessness that causes us to expect as unchangeable situations that we know are contrary to the word of God. And let me just tell you this, there's some of you in this room today that you're dealing with some strongholds. They may not be homosexual strongholds, but they're strongholds. They're, they're thoughts that don't really agree with what God says, but you have accepted them as being unchangeable truths in your life. That's a stronghold. So what a stronghold does is it doesn't let God's word get in and it keeps the bad stuff in. It keeps these bad thoughts in. But what God wants to do is break those strongholds through the power of God we can break these down. We can walk in the freedom that he's called us to walk in. So remember at the beginning of this message, I, I talked about um, 1 Corinthians 6, and we talked about those different sins. You remember that? And, and we talked about all these different sins listed. Okay, that's Paul talking. That's verses 9 and 10. Now I want you to look at the next verse, because this speaks to the fact that this can change. Whatever kind of sin you may be dealing with, whatever kind of stronghold you may be dealing with today, listen to me, you can change. God can change you. Okay, look at this. Verse 11, it says this. Some of you were once like that. Like what? Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were adulterers. Some of you were homosexuals. Some of you were liars and thieves and greedy. And some of you were all of those sins. Some of you were like that. And the fact that it says were like that, you know what that says? You're not anymore. Change has taken place. What makes the change? But you were cleansed. You were made holy. You were made right with God. You're made righteous. What did it? By calling on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. What changes us? Submitting our, submitting our life to God. Making God the Lord of your life. Saying, God, this isn't about me anymore. I surrender my life to you. I submit my life to your word. I'm going to live by what you say. Holy Spirit, empower me. This is why we talk about being baptized in the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Spirit, because you receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. You receive power to walk out the life that God's called you to walk out. It can happen, you can change. No matter where you are today, no matter what sin you're dealing with, homosexual or not, you can change. Isn't that good? So what do we do when we're talking to people that are maybe from the homosexual community? We gotta start with love. We start with love. We let them know God loves them. We let them know the church loves them. We let them know we love them. But we also let them know because we love them, we're gonna let them know that it's sin because sin hurts people. And because we love people, we can't just turn our back on this. And then we let them know that change can take place. This week, as I was working on this message, uh, I really felt like that we as a church needed to hear from someone other than me on this subject. And so I, I've got this interview I want you to see today from a, from a person who was living the homosexual lifestyle. 
and what God did in his life. Check this out. When I was, you know, in elementary school, I started to realize that I was becoming attracted to the same sex. I was like, wait, this is odd and no no one else is feeling this way and I can't, and no one else can know about this. When I was a junior in high school, my best friend, we came out to each other. So then I suddenly had this confidant in high school whom I could tell everything to and tell him what I was feeling and what it was like and he understood and, and we could talk and and we started going out you know we started going to gay bars in high school we started going to clubs and and then even in high school I still felt that being gay was not something that I was going to be for the rest of my life I just thought oh well eventually I'll get married and have kids and this will just kind of go away but it didn't go away when I went to college, I was feeling more and more like homosexuality was becoming my core identity. I just knew that Christianity was never an option for me, uh, ever. I just thought, this I, I'm a gay man, like I can't ever be a Christian. The, the, never the twain shall meet. And so I just thought, I just put God even further on at the back burner and didn't even think of God at all. And then after college, I moved to L.A. And I got in with a group of friends who were, um, who were all like-minded. We lived our lives always kind of just wanting two, two things, and it was success and career, and to find true love. I think I had a, a total of five, five serious relationships and they, um, and they were all very intense and very real. And every time I was in one of these relationships, it was like, okay, this is the one, like this is the guy who is gonna give me meaning in my life. This is the person that's gonna save me. Like, I, I seriously saw them as almost like a messiah. Like, this person will give my life meaning. I'll have a, re a reason to live. Like, I, and I, I put so much pressure on these relationships. And so during, during all this time in Hollywood, I did everything. I went to all the premieres. I went to the Oscars, the Emmys, the Grammys, and I went to the governor's ball after the Oscars and like that life I was living was kind of, it was satisfying it was fun and it was I kind of felt like high from it I was at a, one of the after parties one night and like everyone was dancing and all the people in the fashion world were there and it was like very glamorous and and I just remember just looking out over the sea of people all having the times of their lives and 
I just felt so empty and dead inside. I was like, I felt so alone and just empty. And about, I think, six months later, I was at a coffee shop in Silver Lake. We noticed something very shocking. The table next to us had just Bibles all over it. And we were kind of fascinated by it, even though it was, to us, it was like the enemy. Um, like, those are the people who hate who we are. So, But we were fascinated by them still. So my friend urged me to, to talk to them. And I said, well, what does your church believe about homosexuality? And he said, well, you know, it's a sin. And like, I just stayed and I was like, huh, okay. That's interesting. And then we talked some more and then he invited me to his church. Somehow I got, I just, I don't even, I got up the Sunday morning and the pastor comes out and he started preaching from Romans chapter 7. And then all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just flooded me. That's when I saw the holiness of God and my sinfulness at the same time. It, and I just started bawling. It, it was like this mix of, of joy and, and sorrow. Like, sorrow over my sin and joy over the fact that I just met the king of the universe, God, Jesus. In that moment, I knew that God was real, Jesus was real, heaven was real, hell was real, eternal life was real, the Bible was real. I, I just, God was like, this is who I am, this is who you are, you're now in my kingdom, you're now my child, and we now are reconciled and we have a relationship. And I was like, God! You have my whole life. Like, this is it. It's all yours. When I was living that gay life and for many, many years, I was 100% sure that was my identity. Like, it was, I felt like I was born that way. I, it was my orientation. It was my identity. And I felt like it was immutable. And one of the things that also happened during that, that moment of conversion was... I knew beyond a shadow of a doubt that homosexuality was not who I was, that my identity was in Christ, that that was not who I was. This is the issue, the deal breaker. Homosexuality is the deal breaker for the LGBT community when it comes to Christianity. And I felt the same way. People always say, well, isn't it unloving to say that homosexuality is a sin? And I'm like, no, it's unloving to let people spend eternity apart from God. And that's unloving. This life is a vapor. This life is a mist. It's like two seconds long. Eternity is a long time. And whether you believe it or not, we're all going to face Christ on the last day. And we're either going to be under his mercy or under his wrath. That's the bottom line. And whether you believe that or not, that's going to happen. That's what's at stake is eternity. That's what's at stake. Do you want just this kind of temporary pleasure right now? Or do you want eternity with God? Do not let this one 
issue, and I know it's a very powerful, strong issue, but do not let this one issue prevent you from eternity with God. I know this is not an easy subject to talk about, but it's a subject that we need to have an answer for. As Christians, we're called to help hurting people. I don't know if you noticed in that, there's some things that stood out to me in that testimony. One was that this guy was at a coffee shop and he looked over at Bibles and what he saw was a group of people that hated him. Let it never be said of New Song Church. You know, I don't know about you, but one of the prayers of my life is that God would break my heart for the things that break his. I'm telling you, over the last few weeks, God's changed some of the thinking I had. And I hope today he's changed some of the thinking you had. There's some hurting people in the world that need love. They need Jesus. And we're called to bring Jesus to them. And we need to bring them answers. We speak the truth in love. I hope today, if you're here, that what you've heard and you're someone that's dealing with same-sex attraction or homosexuality, you identify yourself as gay or lesbian or bisexual, I hope today that you walk away seeing that Jesus loves you and that we as a church love you and welcome you here and want to help you. I've been very honest and upfront. If you're new to the church, let me just let you in on a little something about me. In my early 20s, I had a stronghold in my life. I grew up in a Christian home. I grew up in church, but in my early 20s, I found myself bound by a sin And it was the sin of pornography. And I knew it was wrong, and I hated it, and I wanted to be free from it, but I could not, I could not get away from it. I'd get away from a while, and I'd find myself falling back into it, and it it, it had me bound. But the power of the cross, and Jesus Christ, and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit came into my life. And, And let me just tell you the other issue, the other thing that was a huge factor in my freedom was my dad and my mom and my wife who loved me and spoke the truth and love and were willing to say, we're not going to throw you away because you're struggling, but we're going to walk with you and we're going to help you find the freedom that God's called you to. And because of them and because of Jesus and because of the power of the Holy Spirit, I can stand before you today and say, I'm free. there are people in this world, though, that are struggling. And they don't need people that are going to look at them and say, what's wrong with you? You're gross. They need people that are going to say, we love you. This isn't right what you're doing. But we love you, and we're willing to walk with you if you're willing to walk with us. And as long as I'm the pastor of this church, that's the heart that this church is going to carry. And I hope you're okay with that. Amen. Would you bow your heads and close your eyes? Sarah, would you join me up here? Lord, we love you this morning, and we're grateful that you love us, every one of us. In spite of our sin, in spite of the things that we struggle with, you love us with a great and powerful love. And that, Jesus, you came to this earth to die for our sins, every sin. You carried it, you covered it, you experienced it, and you want us to have freedom. And you made a way so that we could. And so I thank you today that you would help us as Christians to have a better heart, a greater heart, to have your heart for these people. 
I pray, Lord, if there's people in here experiencing this today, that you would help them to take the steps that are necessary for them to step into the freedom that they need. In Jesus' name. I want to invite our altar ministry team to come forward at this time. And if you're here today and you need prayer for anything in your life, uh, we love to pray for people here at New Song Church. We believe that when you look at the, the Acts model of church, we see a lot of people getting hands laid on them. People that are partnering with other people in faith to see God move in their life. And so that's why these people are up here. They'd love to pray with you this morning. And we'd love to pray with you about any issue that you may be dealing with in your life. And, and specifically, Sarah, what was it God was kind of putting on your heart? In first service, just obviously, if you're dealing with same-sex attraction, we want to pray with you over that. But if you have loved ones, that if you've got children, if you've got uncles, friends, whatever, that are dealing with this, co-workers, and you want to pray for them, that God would, um, in the same way that, that he took Saul, who was at one moment in his life stoning Christians hating Christians, leading the way in hate. And then in an instant, he met Jesus on the road to Damascus and those scales came off and he became Paul. He wrote almost all of the New Testament. That kind of change is possible. So if you're believing for children, for grandchildren, whatever, we want to pray with you that they will have that moment. They will have that come to their senses moment. They will have that road to Damascus moment where the scales fall off and their life changes and they are used powerfully, just like this man, used powerfully to, to reach people for Jesus. And, and, and know this, if you're here today and you, you have a stronghold in your life, there's an area in your life that's not submitted to the will of God. And it's something that you've come to believe as being truth, but it's not truth. It's something that you believe the truth that, or you believe the lie that it's, it can't be changed. If that's you today, we'd love to pray for you. So whatever you're dealing with today, these people want to pray for you. We'd love to join our faith with you and help you. Maybe you're here today and you're dealing with homosexuality or whatever. We'd love to pray with you. We want you to come forward and receive prayer this morning. Amen? So, Lord, we just thank you. And you would draw everyone to the altars this morning that needs to come. In Jesus' name.